Hello, beautiful humans, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Spilling the Tea on Leadership. I'm your friend who's always 10 minutes early, Jack. And I'm your friend who will get there when I get there, Derek. All right, Derek, what are we spilling the tea on today? Well, this is our first episode, so I thought we could talk some about our own leadership experience, perhaps some of the skills we associate with effective leadership, and then give a sneak peek into what we'll be talking about over the coming months. Yes, I love that. Um, I guess then we should start by sharing a little bit about ourselves and our leadership. So Derek, how do you define leadership? Ah, Yes, so leadership uh, for me has evolved um, in how I see that. I initially saw it as this very formal title. Um, Legitimate power. Yes, and you know, I... I strived to be a leader, right? I wanted to become a leader someday. Um, And now that I've had experiences in a variety of realms, both professionally and personally, leadership has become this really tangible part of life, um, an everyday act, really. So as I think about leadership for me, it really is taking into consideration other people and working toward um, bettering an environment or yourself um, and taking ownership over that. Wow, I love that. That, yes, snaps. Yay. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, how do you see leadership from your perspective? Um, Well, you had a really good answer, so now I'm a little stressed. But uh, I I think being a leader means that you want to initiate or actively participate in making change. And I don't know, I think that change can be in your job, but also think it takes leadership to make changes in your own personal life, like what you were saying. Uh, Like especially big changes in your personal life. I think that takes a lot of the same skills that make up what I consider like an effective leader. So I, I, that's how I see it. It's about change. Yeah. I think we both hit on that a little bit as far as working towards something, whether it's that change piece um, or just trying to better something, uh, which I suppose bettering is inherently change, right? So in thinking about our own leadership experiences, whether it was in your personal or professional life, What's been one of the most defining moments about your leadership? Yeah, I, again, as I think about the evolution of leadership for me, um, there's so many snippets um, or, as you might say, vignettes uh, throughout life that inform it. Probably the biggest defining moments it came during my undergraduate years um, because I was exposed to so many places that I got to be, quote unquote, a leader. Um, I think about my time in choir, and I think about the different roles that I had. Section leader, co-president. That's interesting that you're talking about choir, because I think that's a lot of people probably don't think of leadership within music as often, and yet, like, music, as we know as musicians, that, like, there's so much <laughs> opportunities for leadership, both formal and informal, so I think it's great that you're talking about that. Yeah, I and... When I think about the roles, right, so the roles I was naming, those were like leadership positions. Those were the things where if you wanted to be a leader in the choir, you did those things. But really, the biggest moments of leadership for me were when I was seeing an impact on other people. So I wasn't a section leader in certain points, but all of us in that room together were working toward this common goal of making a beautiful piece of art. Mm. And whether you were new to the ensemble or you'd been there, a veteran performer, um, you still were working toward this common goal and had to trust one another. You had to lean on one another. 
And you had to speak up when you noticed that the group was falling behind. And so even not as a section leader, I remember working with some of the people inside of our section to improve tone and to offer support and to check in on one another um, because there was just this drive and this passion for a quality product um, and to see everybody be successful. You know, if one person failed, the whole group failed. Um, And if the whole group failed, there was you know, a a negative reaction to that because you're literally producing sound. And so I think as I reflect on those moments, right, maybe that wasn't one specific time, but over time, I saw how being somebody who asserted themselves in a space and took ownership and respected what other people brought and had to offer, I was able to step into my image and my own um, existence as a leader. Well, and that's something that you still do a lot today. Like I think in all the roles you've had professionally so far, even when you aren't, even when you don't have like that title of leader in a space, you always work so hard to cultivate an environment where everyone is a part of the decisions. I mean, you do that a lot in like the neighborhood association um, and in your work, like your day job. (laughs) I feel like you do that in a lot of spaces where even if you aren't, you know, the chair of the committee or whoever's leading it, like you always are working to make sure that everyone there is on the same page and is working towards that change together. Yeah. I think ultimately once I recognize leadership is not a role title, that's where I really was able to break it down and to have more impact in a space, right? Because if you get tripped up on the title, you're not going to actually create the change, as you mentioned, or make anything better. You're just going to be focused on this power. And that's where we start to see some of the nasty, power-hungry examples of leadership that More aren't like healthy. Games. Yes, for real, honestly. Mm. Work in education, right? No one's kidding. <laughs> um, so, you know, I know that you have several experiences, formal and informal, with leadership, but what's been sort of the most defining moment for you? Well, I, I feel like I talk about it all the time. Do you know, if I had to pick one moment, do you, do you know what it would be? I mean, should I tell the story? Because I'm ready. The fish was this big, and no. it was at a... No, I'm just um, when I When I was a uh, college student, I was in charge of planning this big tournament, um, the science competition, and I was so pumped and stoked, and I was like so ready to crush it. And I had planned like events before, but this was definitely probably the, the biggest. And, and I was working with like you know, all these different school districts and coordinating with the, like, uh, the nonprofit organization. And, you know, we were having hundreds of people come to compete. There was dozens of volunteers. It was going to be at our whole, like basically take up our whole campus. And, um, it was a mess. It was a complete disaster. The day of, I had like 23, 24 volunteers not show up. Um, I, there was like buildings that were locked. Um, it was scheduled over a spring break, like that first Saturday of spring break. So it was like it felt impossible to like get a hold of people I needed to get a hold of. And, um, it was, it was a failure, like in every sense, but it was such an important moment in my journey as a leader because I learned so much from it. I learned so much from that complete epic failure, uh, that completely changed like how I approached leadership how I built relationships, how I like prepped. I mean, it, it just really fundamentally completely changed. Not that I was like the terrible before, but like it was, <laughs> but I wasn't great. <laughs> but no, uh, but it right. definitely like made me so much, so much better at leading and taking initiative in spaces. Yeah. I think that hits on quite a few great you know, skill sets, if you will, or areas that strong leaders really foster and learning, I think is one of the biggest 
biggest things that we can do as, as a person, as a leader, and as somebody who really wants to contribute to society in general. Yeah. So we've both shared now one of, again, many examples of our own leadership, and both in more of a formal context. Like there was this one environment where we led. Let's talk about some of those things that do make an effective leader. This is where, like, the total nerd in me wants to talk about powers of leadership, right? I want to think, like, here are the five powers of leadership. Referent power, expert power, legitimate power, coercive power, uh-huh. reward power. And we agreed not to make this boring. So let's steer clear of the formal structures. And we're going to focus on the skills that make up an effective leader. Um, so what is a skill, you would say, that takes to be a good leader? Well, I think kind of connecting back to my story a little bit, but like um, failure, I think it's so important mm-hmm. if you to be an effective leader. I think you have to, to be, be bad at it. To, <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to be that was funny. You have to be willing to fail, but also be willing to learn from the failure, right? Because I think that when you reflect mm-hmm. on those things, that's how you can actually improve. I think when when we see leaders. Well, um, when we see leaders fail is when they make mistakes, but they like try to put the blame or make excuses for it mm-hmm. instead of saying, hey, yeah, let me reflect on this and actually improve it. Yeah, I think that hits on not only the failing piece. It's not the failure that makes it or breaks it. It's how you respond and how you react. And so I think not only learning, but also taking every opportunity to synthesize feedback. Um, yeah. And being open to feedback, not just when somebody's like, hey, do you have a moment for some feedback? Um, But also yourself looking constantly and observing, how did that go well? How did that go poorly? How can I improve that next time? Who did that impact? Who did not impact? Did it meet my goals? Lots of things to be tossing around in your mind. Well, and, and, and people don't, like, inherently, right? People obviously don't like failing, right? Like, no, nobody mm-hmm. likes failing, which is why I think it's, um, such it's, I think it's probably a very common trait that leaders struggle with is to reflect on failure to improve because like nobody, nobody likes the idea of not succeeding on something. I don't think, I don't think anybody likes the idea of not succeeding on something. And so being willing to take feedback and also create a space for people to give you feedback, I think it can be really intimidating. Yeah, it can. And it can be uncomfortable, but I think that's where creating a support network is also important. Um, and I think that leads sort of into what I think is a critical piece of leadership, and that's meaningful relationships. True. Um, because the more meaningful relationships that you build and establish, the better your support network, the better learning you're going to have, the more quality feedback and honest feedback you'll be able to receive from others. Um, but also, like, that's how you get people on board. You know, if you don't have a relationship with someone, you certainly can't have a conversation to convince them to join you for this cause, right? Like, I think back to selling popcorn for Cub Scouts back in the day, right? Like, who you wants were in to... Cub Scouts? Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, LOL. I'm well. embarrassed. Anywho, so we think about that task, right? I was not invested in selling popcorn. I was mad that the Girl Scouts got to sell the good cookies, right? God, Here yeah. I am, like, would you like some buttered popcorn? That's three times the cost of what you can get at Kroger. Um, but anywho, so <laughs> without the meaningful relationships and somebody being able to say, oh, Derek, we're selling this popcorn because you should care about this cause and you should care about the good that you're doing in the community, um, I would not have leaned into that so heavily um, or even felt invested to parade myself around the community in that way, at least. Well, and I think honestly, like sort of the, the flip side of that coin too, is that when you have a really good like network of, of 
professionals or or friends, right? Sometimes like that's all it takes to be invested in in the action or the task that you're doing, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you'll be you would have been more willing to sell all that popcorn if all of your friends had been about selling the popcorn. Right. It would have probably mattered less to you like why you're selling the popcorn, mm-hmm. just that like, oh yeah, I've got this group of individuals that I'm doing this with mm-hmm. and that we're invested in each other's success. Yeah, meaningful relationships I think are are super care. Yeah. I think too, with that, um, there's a fine line between like that investment and getting others on board though, and also taking care of yourself mm-hmm. because maybe that didn't make sense. So <laughs> what I'm trying to say though, is that I felt like in my experiences, if I am not taking care of myself and getting others invested, like when I'm reaching out to others, getting others invested in something that appears to be sustainable, mm-hmm then they're going to be less likely to buy in. Because if they see me going, or if they think that I'm going 150 miles an hour, and then I say, yeah, join me, they're like, no. <laughs> I like my free time. I like my personal life. So it was that was something I didn't realize probably until uh, two years ago when I realized, oh, wow, it, I'm actually going to be more, a more effective leader if I slow down a little bit <laughs> and make sure that I'm taking care of myself. Because then more people are going to be willing to get on board because they're saying, okay, yeah, you know, I can get involved in this and step like step into a leadership position without completely losing all of the things that I love doing and that make my life worthwhile. Yeah, I think that's really important too because I think about my own experiences and I am so guilty of feeling this pressure from who knows where, right? I, nobody's actually putting pressure on me, but I see somebody performing in a particular way who's, you know, has some sort of power over me, whether it's a supervisor directly or on a team and doing a particular project. And I'm like, okay, I need to work as hard, if not harder than them to be a good example and to make sure that I'm meeting expectations. But if you don't preach self-care and practice self-care at the same time, I think that's where the breakdown goes and you're creating those pressures for other people, um, which, yeah, so not great. <laughs> yeah, I especially get frustrated. Um, I'm a teacher. And I especially get frustrated, like, when we'll get these emails about, like, self-care, like, groups or, or sports. And all of them are being sent, right? Like, these are, you know, sent out through, you know, your district or your school or whatever. But, like, all of them involve an investment of additional time, right? I wish that, you know, more of our companies took seriously the need to, like, incorporate that into into the workday, because I think when that becomes a priority, I think it's it's easier to foster, like, healthy leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the benefits of working virtually briefly when we were 100% virtual was that I was able to incorporate just, like, these small self-care practices into my day that, you know, made made things a lot more manageable for me. It made my, like, lowered my stress levels and made me feel better. And um, I think those are so important to effective leadership is taking care of yourself. Yeah. I think what's so important too is that you take care of yourself in the way that works for you. Yeah. Um, Because I think for both you and I, there's this extroverted element to self-care where like being around other people who recharge us or being with ourselves in a productive way um, is helpful. But for some folks too, like, if self-care means that you need to totally unplug and go sit in a room by yourself um, or go sit with another human in silence because you love that human, um, that's where I'm at some days. Like, do those things too. Don't feel like you have to self-care because the workplace says, 
oh, we're having a social hour to grab drinks on Zoom. And like, no, do what you need and don't live into anybody else's expectations of self-care. And as I think about not only self-care being a guide for us, I also, in leadership, think it's so important to build relationships and care for yourself so that you have time to invest in a common vision and some common goals. And I think when when everybody's, you know, recharged and has that energy and when they have this connection piece, they're so able to do that. And I think the hardest moments for leadership that I remember is where there wasn't a clear vision or a clear goal. Well, yeah, because you just feel like you're out, you're pedaling on a, a standing bike. Yeah. <laughs> and while that's nice at Planet Fitness, I ain't trying to do it every day, all day. I've never right? seen you on a standing bike at Planet Fitness. Okay, don't, well, don't fake that right you now. You wasn't looking. But anywho, so <laughs> uh, that's not the tea we're spilling. Uh, but as we think about a vision or a goal, um, we as a leader need to make sure that that's always painted. And I think... Sometimes, too often, when we think of these formal leaders, or in some of my experiences, that vision has been painted for one person to understand. You know, it was one vantage point. Or created by just one person. Yes, yeah. That common voice is so important. Um, Now, here I'm going to go into, you know, the more formal structures. But if we think about democratic leadership, right? You told me I was not allowed to bring up any leadership theory. And we are not. A few minutes in and you're like, oh, democratic Uh, leadership But it's so important. No, so when we think about that, there's an extreme emphasis on getting buy-in from everyone and getting everyone's voice. We also have to balance that with action. And so I think the best thing you can do is navigate your environment in a way that helps people feel valued and like their voice is given to that vision and goal and then recognize that we have to make decisions at certain points and can continue. It's almost a cycle of building relationships, reestablishing the vision and the goal. Mm-hmm. Well, cause people should back. see themselves in the vision and goal yeah. they sh- or they should at the very, at the very least, they should be able to see what, how their experience, their daily experience, if it's job or how their actions, their personal life, like how those are connected to their their goal or mission. I even think about you know, like uh, health goals, right? Yeah. Like in your personal life, when you have a health goal, it's important that you have that goal so that you can be thinking about how, you know, okay, going to the gym today or how eating an apple or walking your dog, like whatever it is, how those actions, you can connect those to how they're aligned to your goal, which like gives you a better sense of purpose and drive. And, yeah. and yet for whatever reason, so often in, in companies, it can feel very disconnected between mm-hmm. what you're doing in your day to day and what you're working towards. Like, what's the, like, what is the tangible goal or vision that, like, we're doing? Why am I here? Yeah. And for, for some people and those listening, you might think, okay, well, that's silly to always think about my goal or my direction. But it really is true. As I think about, you know, health goals, I love to bake. If I want to give up sweets, that's not only going to be worse for me because I'm going to feel this intense pressure, but I'm not going to get the exposure yeah. to baking to help myself recharge or have a creative outlet. So I need to find that balance that aligns with my direction. Not because somebody says, mm-hmm. oh, you can't have that scone, Derek. No, yeah. have the scone, but balance it with other healthy things. You've been talking about food like all day. Are you hungry right now? I know. Do well, we need to stop this? I really want to bake scones. <laughs> Y'all, we've been going all of the previous month without baking. Here I am talking about these goals. Um, and I'm just so ready to bake a scone. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and I think really just to like close that, you know, bow on goal setting. Yep. It's important that, especially in personal life, that our goals are like relevant to 
what our passions are. Because otherwise, like, what's the point? You know what I'm saying? Like, having a goal just to have a goal, you're not going to have any sort of investment or desire to accomplish it. Yeah. And, and I think that also connects to another thing I think is important in leadership, which is flexibility and understanding that even myself, and I, like, nerd out about goals. You can ask Derek. I, like, go through a whole <laughs> process. I love myself some New Year's. Um, but even I, like, when I have my list of goals, they change. Like I actually, I mean, I revisit them every few weeks even because sometimes I'm like something I thought I was passionate about, you know, January 1st is like not something that I still want to continue to invest time or energy in. And so I think in leadership, you have to be flexible in so many different ways, especially as it relates to your goal and vision, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, especially as it relates to, you know, the resources that you have. Uh, but I think flexibility is so important because it also like the strong or the more flexible you are mm -hmm. the easier it is for you to be able to respond to unexpected challenges yeah absolutely and maintain your cool and be a leader by example in those moments versus having everybody else feel tense right well and i mean and the pandemic obviously and for so many reasons but i think the pandemic has also definitely exposed a lot of like inflexibility uh in so many organizations and we've seen everyone's seen this is a unique test but like we've seen you know the the companies the restaurants that have had the most success have been the ones who have been able to adapt to the quickest who have been the most flexible um you know we have a restaurant that we really love around here that when the pandemic hit very quickly they like totally converted into this sort of like grocer setup and um and doing like these drive-by pickups and it was brilliant and they did are you know, still doing really well um but and i also think on the flip side of education, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and how inflexible education has been about adapting and how slow it is, you know, to, to, to move and to get things done. And I think that that's disappointing. And I think that, you know, it can be exacerbated when you have leadership that is not flexible. Mm -hmm. And I think even outside of, we're talking about these formal structures, but even in your personal life, right? If you maintain that flexibility, you're going to be able to, to lead your own self even more successfully. Yeah. Um, even on the day-to-day, -day, if you get up in the morning and you have a goal and you don't meet it, that's okay. Reevaluate, move forward. Um, and then when I think about a group, I think about probably one of the core pieces of leadership that we haven't mentioned yet, and that's communication. So oh my gosh, yes. while maintaining flexibility, while working toward a goal, while taking care of yourself, while building these relationships, you have to communicate. And you have to communicate in a way that's clear but also in a way that other people can respond to effectively. Yes, the impact has to, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes in leadership, we hear, like literally in leadership, you have people in those roles who will say, well, we sent that memo. Or, oh, did you not read the email? Or, oh, I texted you at 10.30 p.m. last night. Did you not read that? <laughs> but those are always speaking from a place of, that communication method or that particular verbiage speaks to me. Why didn't you get it? Yes. I communicate. I, I would say communi communication is definitely two way. And there are definitely like, uh, can be moments like that. We've, we've all been in a per my last email situation before, whether we've been <laughs> the person sending that per my last email or the opposite. But I think part of that has to do with like, clearly defining what the communication structures and channels are. Mm -hmm. And I think where we see a lot of toxic or bad communication is when there are no clear communication channels. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you have a newsletter that you're sending out, but you haven't set the expectation of when individuals should be checking that, like, oh, it should be checked in like the very beginning of your day, right? Or the very end of the day, like then 
then that what is that newsletter for? What is it right. doing? Or or even with meetings, oh my gosh, even with meetings, if there's not a clear purpose or, or goal of your meeting time, then like any communication you try to do, if it's just a standing meeting because it's a standing meeting, then your communication is going to mean a lot less to the people there. Mm-hmm. So I think that we have to think through in communication, what are the expectations that as a group you have come to? Because once you've set those expectations, not only is your communication going to be more successful, but also people are going to be more bought in and feel more willing to like step up and speak up about different issues that they're saying. Yeah. I think a challenge that I would give anybody listening right now is to really think about your communication on the day to day and ask yourself, how many times have you thought about the other person before you communicate? And maybe after communicating, when have you taken time to think, was that effective? It could be as simple as, you know, Jack and I talking and me coming in to the middle of the room and saying, hey, I need to do this, 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 and this. Uh, Can you remind me later? And walking away. Well, I didn't check for understanding. I did not make sure that he heard me. (laughs) Um, and, And I didn't necessarily think about whether he was doing something and actually engaged or you know, whether I was actually going to remember those things by saying them out loud and I could just evaluate and make that communication more effective. And right there, that's a daily practice. That's making me a better leader yeah. in a small moment. Well, it's, it's so funny that you brought that up because I think some people are also the opposite. Like I know people who put so much thought into their professional communication, mm-hmm. but then with their partners, like don't. And, and certainly I don't want to, I'm not the message. I don't want someone to listen to is like, yes, you should please like overthink and structure all your communication <laughs> with your partner. No, but I think that like, we do have to think about how our actions and our words are going to impact someone and like where their head space is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just about having respect for each other. And you know, that's how you build a stronger, more meaningful relationship is mm-hmm. by having more effective communication, whether that's with your partner or at your company or in your community, your neighborhood. Yeah. I, I think that's super important to assess, right? The environment and think about communication just generally. Um, too often right now is we think about some of the challenges that we're facing and trying to make society just better, right? Um, too often communication is the barrier and it's a lack of willingness to adjust your own communication and it's a lack of other people um, being able to communicate effectively. I mean, girl, we could have a whole whole podcast just about communication. Not even an episode, a whole (laughs) podcast. Just because it is, I think, something that so many organizations struggle with because Mm -hmm. I know so many people who think they're very strong communicators. Mm -hmm. But if you ask any of the people that they're quote-unquote leading, they'd be like, no, this individual is not a good communicator, not strong. And that is, it can be so frustrating, right? Mm -hmm. Because again, it comes back to that, the impact of what your communication is. Right, right. Um, we, we've been talking a lot about leadership in your personal and professional life. And, um, do you think that we just named all those skills, but do you think that they are the same skills, both personally and professionally, like in those contexts, do you think that it's the same or are are there some different skills needed for personal versus professional? Yeah. I mean, I think at the core, right. They're the same. If I'm going to build a house, I need to make sure there's a foundation I need to make sure I can throw up some walls. I can put on a roof. All the same elements 
exist. Is that it? Is that all the pieces of a house? Yes. <laughs> Clearly, I work in construction. Um, but no, as you think about building a house, all those, those elements exist. How they come together and how they manifest really depends on what neighborhood you're living in. What is the climate that you're building the house for? Um, so I would say the same skills exist in leadership but I'm not going to send out a memo to communicate to you at home. Yeah, that doesn't work. Trust me, everyone. Um, I've tried that with Derek. That does not work. Yeah, real cute. Although, you know, our first date was an Outlook calendar invite. It was. So. It was. <laughs> um, I'm romantic, everyone. <laughs> I'm very romantic. No, but I mean, we learned that about each other, and that was an alignment, right? Um, but as I think about these skills, I would hope that we as a couple have a vision and a goal and I personally have a vision and a goal, but it's not going to be communicated or manifest in the same way as me buying into my company's vision or goal. Yeah. That's, I think that's a really good way of saying that. Um, for someone like listening today, Derek, like what would be one thing you would want them to take away from all of the absolute nonsense and garbage that we've done so far? <laughs> well, that was the tea. Um, no. So I would say, as you think about today, I challenge you, right, to reflect on your own leadership inside of each of these principles that we just shared. You know, how have you or have you not cultivated meaningful relationships? How have you or have you not advocated for yourself and taken care of yourself in a productive and truly beneficial way? Um, how are you communicating or not communicating um, or think you are or aren't communicating? Um, and those are all all real things. But maybe just take a temperature check, right, against these pieces that we just shared and check out our blog post that will have some of that guidance as well. Absolutely. Um, also, please also just check your temperature in general because, you know, we're oh, in a pandemic. You're right. You're right. a symptom. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're going to continue to dive into all of these topics every single month. So, we, you know, one month we'll focus really doing a deep dive in communication and failure in leadership and self-care and setting goals. So that'll be our focus every month with, with blogs coming out weekly, helping us to even further dive into it. So... That's kind of like our goal personally for these podcasts is every month centering around one of those topics. And we hope that you'll sort of stick around with us for that. We are so excited to be here spilling the tea. And thank you for listening to our very first podcast. Once again, friends, I'm Jack. And I'm Derek. And if you'd like to continue this conversation, check us out on our Facebook page, Spilling the Tea on Leadership. Or our website, truthsonleadership.com. Until next time. Keep shining. And make good life choices.